Hello, I am Philip Kennedy. Thank you for downloading this podcast of the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. We hope you enjoy listening to this. For more information about our programs, please visit www.nyuad.nyu.edu slash institute. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to talk, and I know you had a very long day, but guess what? Your day is going to be longer. I mean, it's going to be a very, <laughs> it's going to be a very long talk, but I promise I'm going to make it very interesting. So today we're going to talk about Life Escapes Beyond Bigness, the 2018 UAE National Pavilion at Venice Architecture Benali. And it's the first time to give a talk about the theme in public. So thanks for being here. Uh, so often, like, the UAE is headlined uh, with its, for its grandiose urbanism, and it's replete with examples of impressive monuments and big architecture. If we think about the UAE, like in the 1990s, a paradigm shift in urban design, action, and ideology took place. Cities like Abu Dhabi, Dubai were mass-producing, like big buildings, infinite suburbs, and privatized public realm to fill the desert landscape and Gulf water. So our cities were handled by traffic engineers and real estate developers. And people were moving like in massive scale to new developments. And urban design in the region were not mature enough to take care of people at the eye level. And instead, urban design has been considered as an architectural outgrowth and has emphasized big architecture. No systematic approach or ideology considered the human scale or valued socially sensitive uh, design. So this like embrace of bigness has resulted in overscaling the built environment and for particular motifs related to economic diversification and branding and other stuff. And as Michael Sorkin, like in 2000, Six argued, urban design seemed to reach a dead end. It reached its full capacity and then weathered and unable to provide new theoretical pathways to guide the next generation of urban form in the region. Sirkin's criticism about the narrowness of urban design also applies, that's my argument, to UAE's post-modern practices. And if we think about it, Development typologies are now redundant, carbon copies of one another, limited to mega urbanism and big architecture, and fail to address the human scale. Once modest, creative, and its approaches very diverse to meeting human needs on a human scale, now it became very rigid, limiting, monotonous, redundant, unable to acknowledge the human scale. So the architectural feats required to raise such grand structures are important and noteworthy for global branding, for economic growth, but many other forms of urbanism also warrant acknowledgement and recognition and also exploration. And one example is the human scale landscape, which promotes everydayness, pedestrian-driven places, and put people at the core of town development. So due to its human scale 
and socially oriented design and morphology, the Cotadian landscape or the human landscape, more than landscapes modeled on bigness, dispersion, privatization, materialism, successfully narrate and reveal the hidden sides of urban life in the UAE. And this mode of urbanism, in one way or another, is inspired by UAE's founding father, Sheikh Zayed, who on those very, very early days believed that designing the physical environment carried social and ethical responsibilities. So Sheikh Zayed envisioned city planning as a social mission and as a source of happiness aimed at lifting up people's living conditions and meeting their daily needs. So if we think about it, many, many of like the pre-1990s urban morphology and natural landscape largely reflect those ideals that put people at the core of town development. Contemporary urban design, in contrast, has reached a dead end. They are unable, they are too intellectually naive to guide theory and practice and too conceptually redundant to facilitate everyday urbanism. So while life escapes beyond bigness, stretches beyond the typical narratives about UE's urbanism that exclusively focus on its grand and mega architecture. It's beyond that. We are focused on a very, uh, I would say, a human scale. Life escapes beyond bigness provides the material and the well-grounded research that encapsulates the content of the 2008 UAE National Pavilion and Venice Architectural Benali. So the research provides an excursion into the more human and under-celebrated parts of UAE's social and physical environment. Human scale landscapes are vibrant and challenges some of the large perceptions pertaining to UAE's urbanism. So our role is to study how the role of architecture and urban design and choreographing people's daily itineraries. Uh, and having said that, it explores how human scale landscapes facilitate, enhance, and accommodate everyday urbanism. So while previous national pavilions focused on the physicality of architecture and place, the 2018 theme expands the debate beyond that. So it studies the intersection between physicality of architecture and place and the humanity of people and community life. So we are focused on the architecture, on the spaces, the urban spaces and the network system between the buildings and on how people interact with these spaces. So this is just a collage shows different human landscapes in the region. Uh, so what we are focused on is the architecture, the spaces between buildings and how people uh, interact with the built environment. So the research draws on advanced qualitative and quantitative methods, okay, that including like spatial mapping, analysis, uh, site observation, interviews that capture both the physical environment and the dynamism of everyday life. So this mixed method approach invites readers, visitors to experience important landscapes that are often sidelined in urban studies literature. 
So this typological and behavioral investigation commemorates the uncelebrated parts and provides a very solid intellectual ground to think about the future of urbanism in the region. We studied different sites in the UAE, different sites, but we particularly focused on Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and the Lions. Settings are of different scales from the neighborhood, urban spaces, uh, urban blocks, agrarian settings, to very small, to smaller scale, the scale of the street, the scale of the alleyways and Sikak and uh, the buildings. This is a sketch shows the different typologies that we are studying through our investigation. So you have the commercial streets, the, the spaces between buildings, the neighborhood, the urban block, the public spaces. And this shows law or compile all of these typologies together. Just consider this uh, rendering as a neighborhood. Then you have the, the network system divided into the alleyways, uh, streets, uh, then you have the urban spaces or the urban occasions where people congregate. Then you have the urban block and the whole neighborhood. As for the neighborhood, we studied three different neighborhoods, all built in the late 60s, early 70s. We studied in depth Benyasa in Abu Dhabi, Asatwa in Dubai, and Ashurta in Dubai too. So our study like, detailed the morphological characteristics of every neighborhood. Very, very focusing on the street network system, the land uses, the, the densities, and also to the human interaction with the space, exploring the hot spots in the neighborhood, the flow of people in and out to the space. So that would require a lot of time spending inside, tracing people, counting, and so on. Then as for the network, we studied like part of the old Dubai and also the, the, the uh, part of Abu Dhabi Island. That's a survey of uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai of the alleyway system. It's huge. The system is huge. We are talking about maybe almost 1,000 Sikha in old Dubai and maybe almost 2,700 Sikha in Abu Dhabi with a length of eight, 85 kilometer. If we look into the larger section of Abu Dhabi, we are talking about 200 52 kilometer. That's a distance from Abu Dhabi to Ras al Khaimah. What's happening in these spaces? What happening? What's happening in these alleyways? So that's around 7,800 sikkah in Abu Dhabi. That's a collage showing different sections. So this alleyway could be between low rises, between high rises, between mid rises. And you know, people claim spaces for uses, for cultural expressions for maybe landscaping, or maybe you can get a view to a very important architecture in the city, like as a view corridor. The urban block, so this is like a map of Abu Dhabi and Dubai. So both cities have two different systems. In Dubai, the urban block, especially at the old town, is very dynamic, it's very organic. And Abu Dhabi is more very systematic planned growth. Uh, and it is also, uh, I would say, defined by the height of the buildings, as we see here. So you have urban blocks, this kind of interesting diversity between high rises, low rises, high rises, mid rises, maybe urban blocks with low rises. So while in Dubai, it's very fine grain mid rise and it's very dynamic. 
And the reason that Abu Dhabi has a very systematic growth that's also is traced to the vision of UAE's founding father, Sheikh Zayed, who appreciated the straightness and the straight lines, as we see here. So we studied different super blocks in Abu Dhabi, the Zaab, uh, Adana, Zafra, and the Zaya. And also the same thing, we studied the morphological details of those super blocks, as well as the hot spots where people interact, meet. And then we went to the natural landscape. We studied two different sites, one in Al Ain Al Matarad. As this is just an aerial photograph, what happens in these spaces. And also we studied Jabal Hafid in Al Ain and what happens just all the way at the top of Jabal Hafid. It would have been really nice to have a big map of the UAE showing the natural landscape in the country and the green infrastructure in the country. Guess what? We did it. Yeah, so the UAE has more than, like I would say, around 7 million trees. I mean, that's in Abu Dhabi only, Abu Dhabi, Al-Gharbiya, and Al-Ain. So, and that's part, if we think about when Sheikh Zayed said, and I'm quoting him now, so they used to say that there is no future for green here. But with God's blessing and our determination, we made it happen. So, in all of these settings, people claim spaces for new uses, expressions, and programs because the landscape is adaptable enough to accommodate people's daily uses. And like the landscape of bigness, where human movement is controlled and regulated by regulations, formal programs, everyday urbanism in quotidian landscapes, it's an outcome of a natural instinct. And it's a desire that do not necessarily follow codified rules or programs. And these like exceptions to the order of formal, they are not symptoms of blight. They are not signs of disordered associated with deteriorated urban environments. They are natural. They are spontaneous. And we designers, architects, and urban planners must know how to deal with it. These spaces, with their unprogrammed uses, offer a new way to look at the UAE's urbanism. They tell a very clear story about socially sensitive, responsive, and spectacular architecture that allows for diversity and supports people's daily activities. So human-scale landscapes provides a clear lesson about what it takes to create socially sensitive places that are not flashy, that are not iconic, and that are not big. Due to its simplicity, adaptability, inclusivity, and accessibility, they resist the notions of exclusiveness and privatization that characterize the political economy of global capital. So this particular lesson accentuates Benal's theme of free spaces that acknowledges places' capacity to be generous enough to promote expressions of self and culture, to be accommodating enough to enhance sense of integration among people, and to be socially responsible enough to reject defensive capitalist-oriented landscapes. In short, the message in short of life escapes beyond bigness 
despite UAE's mega urbanism, despite UAE's grandiose approach to urbanism, the region offers spaces that include spaces or free spaces where people can create their own spaces under the shadows of buildings and trees. So the research offers a typological and behavioral inventory of diverse landscapes uh, where people can practice their daily life outside the confines of bigness. And my hope and my team's hope is to renew urban design ideology and action in the region and guide them beyond their dead end. So life escapes are focused on four particular aspects for every landscape that we are studying. So we are studying the morphology of the sitting landscape. We are studying the human interaction behavior with that sitting. We are studying the ideological tradition and a school of thoughts that shaped that sitting. And also we are looking into the lessons that could be learned to move urban design forward beyond its dead end. The questions that we are trying to answer. What ideological traditions of architecture and urban design shape the UAE's urbanism? What are their physical characteristics and behavioral rhythm? What patterns of everyday life is observable in these spaces? What are their diurnal and nocturnal rhythm? And how these spaces accommodate everyday urbanism? And if Sorkin says urban design has become repetitive and reached a dead end, then what urban design ideals and actions might alter the city in the future? And how can we cast our gaze forwards to anticipate a better urban form for the next generation? Whatever happened to UAE's urbanism, it's really important to go down to history and see what happened here. So what are the different phases of urban expansion? It all started with the human scale. Then we have a very long span for dispersion. Suburbanization, then in 2000, we welcomed bigness. If you look at the map, the growth map of Dubai, it started from a very small fishing village, fairly self sufficient, integrated and, ref and reflective of the, of the traditional society. It grew to a, a big urban mass that extends several miles along the Gulf Shore. Abu Dhabi, the same. So, uh, to experience suburbanization like in late 80s. Then it's, I mean, it's not that transformation is not only unique to the UAE. So urban form changed. It changed a lot over the past three and four decades. In the early 70s and 80s, a small scale, highly diverse city blocks or what Jan Gale called cities for people or Douglas Ray named urbanism predominated. Urbanism was rich with visual variety, diversity, accessibility, and it was geared towards pedestrian, not the automobiles. And it was less concerned with creating spaces for the privileged and well-off and more concerned with eliminating the difference between different income groups. And also, urbanism was like, I would say, facilitated people's daily activities. And it lied outside the domains of power, politics, and uh, consumerism. So urbanism featured very small-scale human, I would say, fabric, as we see here. This is just one of the neighborhoods that we studied. Like, it's just coming in between 
the, the, the mega structure or the new downtown of Dubai and between a very traditional fine grain mixed use corridor. This is another form. It's very dense. It's very diverse. You find different housing typologies. So all of these features promoted the creation of a dynamic, inclusive landscape that generously facilitated social encounters with exposure to strangers and acquaintances. So this is another form. Yeah, I mean, streets are bustling with people. You have this interesting proximity between different buildings. The texture is different. The feeling is different. The design is different. Spaces for people and children and informalism. The relationship between one building to another, how it shades the walkways and how it shades the building walls. So in the late like 90s, like 70s, those close-knit homes and tight urban fabric were swapped by the unstoppable growth of suburbia. So the low-density developments were booming in the region. And development typologies have shifted towards fragmented, segregated, single-use, single uses, and are often surrounded by large, large open spaces that segregated people from one another and from the public realm. So if you look at this, this shows the transformation of the urban fabric. So in the 90s, the, the configuration of the built environment and the land use system have completely changed. So what I would say in detail, the small city blocks were swapped by larger overscaled blocks. The interconnected street systems were replaced by discontinuous looping patterns. The mixed land use system were replaced by single use systems. And it's ensured that compact neighborhood was replaced by large neighborhoods served with large arterial streets, large open spaces. And this transformation, like I would say, rejected historic urban design ideals and were not and led to the rise, I would say, of the automobile culture and the demise of the human scale. So in this period, the public realm lost its social content and it was eradicated by the rise of the sprawling communities. The transformation was not understanding of or sympathetic to context, and it did not consider the preservation of some ideals such as density, uh, diversity, and connectivity. This, as we see here, even the, the plots and the land parcels, the buildings that once occupied their parcel were moved to very, very, very big parcels behind fenced walls. So that's a density evolution in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. We're talking about in the past about like 13 to 15 units per acre. Now we are talking about two, three units per acre. As we see here, just in one acre, we used to accommodate 15 units, like 15 houses. Now we are accommodating like three to four units per acre. Before it was very diverse. As you see here, the lot, the red, I would say, shed like diversity, maybe an apartment building with retail on the ground. But now you don't see that. You see centralized big boxes and neighborhoods.
So that's the suburbia, the rise of suburbia. This is what's happening. I mean, our cities are characterized by splintering urbanism. And this morphology, according to Graham and Marvin, it's a form of geographic distancing and biased infrastructure development. Large, large areas and gaps or patches between the desert landscape are incomplete. Uh, developments are not contiguous or not connected. And as and it should be, I should note that suburbanization or the rise of suburbia is not unique to the UAE. It's a growing phenomenon everywhere in the world, and it's a highly debated topic among scholars and policymakers uh, in the West. As the scholars at MIT Center for Advanced Urbanism say, global urbanization is heading towards infinite suburbs. And as also Kotkin says, this dispersion is the common reality. It's real. That's a common reality, more or less for almost all large cities in the world. But what is really critical here, if you look at the air, urban areas in Dubai, 55, in Dubai it's around 35% developed as low density suburbs, that's for the locals. But if you think about the areas where the local Emirati lives and where the gated communities, that comes to 70%. In Abu Dhabi we're talking about more than 55% of land been developed as low density suburbs. This is a very interesting map. So what is one of the mo most interesting thing that we do in the lab at Mazdar that we do maps with precision. So that's a reach map. A reach map meaning how many buildings you can reach within a certain radius using the existing network. So that's a map, reach map within a thousand meter. So if you look at the top, like that's all Dubai and these are like some, some old neighbors here. So that's in Satwa and maybe Rajdiya. So the warmer colors, that means it's people can reach a lot of buildings. While the cooler colors in blue, that you can reach very, very, very low. Uh, so the warmer colors and the hot, where you see the red and where you see the orange, you can reach up to 1,700 buildings within 1,000 meters. But if you go down, where is the blue, you can reach up from 10 to 200 buildings. If we go to Abu Dhabi, that's the same thing. The downtown area is very dense and you can reach up to around 1,200 buildings. But if you go to the suburbs down and they did not show what is happening in the mainland, you can reach up maybe from zero to 200 buildings. So life escapes beyond bigness does not reject suburbia. It's a common reality. We have to accept it somehow. But instead of condemning suburbia or trying to end its existence, it talks about a way to improve it. How can we improve it? And it argues that urban design practice in the UAE need an overhaul, including an improved ideology in urban design. And this research provides an abundant intellectual materials for scholars, practitioners about the human scale landscapes in the UAE to think about the future form of the city. Bigness, moving so, we talked about the human scale, we talked about dispersion, now to bigness. In 2000, planners embraced neoliberalism. 
The city enhanced the role of pub, private sector and city design and development. And this has emphasized spectacular upmarket urbanism, star architecture and bigness. And this urban model embraces economic tolerance, bigness, all of which are exclusively themed and overly scaled. So if we go to, that was one of the first attempts at bigness, the construction of a new downtown area in Dubai. Uh, this makes me recall like Putrajaya, which symbolizes modern Malaysia. This shifted and changed the skyline and the dynamic and the action in the city. And since the city embraced bigness, like large scales were built like on a hefty scale and in record time, cities like Abu Dhabi and Dubai were booming so rapidly in contrast to the long development process that characterized most of the Western cities. So bigness, including large architecture or big plan development, became to dominate urban life. It privatized the public realm, and they tend to ignore the environment. They are autonomous. They do not integrate with the surrounding urban fabric. And these spaces include, I mean, the big boxes, the towers, the infinite suburbs, the gated communities, the office boxes, and so many things. And all are inward-oriented, rejecting the city instead of merging into its dynamic system. So a reliance on a spectacularism, privatization, and materialism, and the effort to create a global image dwarfed the human skill and dwarf suicide ideals that once appreciated social benefits over economic returns. So the new partnership between the government and the private sector scaled up bigness. If we talk about Dubai, we're talking about more than 46% of land is under the control of private developers. These are a map of Dubai, which firm is controlling what. And, and just recently, I... Not recently, just today, I got one of my papers got published, and it's studying the rental prices in Dubai depending on morphology. And if we, and if we look into that, the purple line and the, and the blue, they are all like low density suburbs, gated communities, and they are all geared towards the high income groups. So middle class, they do not have that much space in Dubai. This is a collage showing. The three different morphologies of the up, you can feel the, the, the dense human scale city. Then at the middle, you can see dispersion and the rise of suburbia. Then down, you can see all of these mega big developments. So that's my argument. And I would say that the UAE's current practices will guarantee that bigness will continue. So just Dubai began the construction of Santiago Calatrava Tower. And this will surpass Burj Khalifa. So bigness is unstoppable. Bigness will continue. The old frontier of human scale has been abolished. Big architecture, big plan development, swap the local flavor and swap the human scale. So, but if we think about Abu Dhabi a little bit, it might be in a different position. So maybe some efforts like revitalizing the public realm and downtown area 
the construction of Mazdar city with its, I'm not saying Mazdar is great, but it's good. So with this kind of, uh, I would say, embracing walkability uh, and tight urban compactness, the urban fabric, I would say this may preserve Abu Dhabi from being over-reliant on the bigness model. And Al-Awadi and Ben Crowder have labeled this stride uh, as a redemption period. And this is like, could be interpreted as a return to nostalgic historicism that revived some of the old uh, ideals. Beyond bigness, what happens? So now I'm going in a little bit in further detail into the human scale. So while bigness has out, outshined and dwarfed the human scale, urban scalers, so many of them acknowledged the forms and patterns and the visual experience of the fine-grained quotidian landscapes. So the public realm lost its life when it's lost density and diversity. And life escapes beyond bigness move this beyond spectacle, beyond flashy architecture, beyond shopping malls. It's about, I would say, it talks about the spaces where strangers and acquaintances gather to react and mingle. There are also spaces where a variety of ethnic groups, I would say, congregate and meet with respect. There are also spaces where people walk shoulder to shoulder and where no one is better than anyone else. Everyone is equal. So people come to socialize and live on a scale that's human, humble, unpretentious, social, and livable. They come also together naturally or deliberately because they have shared means to share, share, to, to share with each other. So the social consistency and solidity in these spaces are nurtured by people's sense of ownership over the place. So they feel they have this kind of sense of ownership over the place, not in the sense of owning the space or owning the property, but in the sense of having enough control to adapt to their daily itineraries. So if you look at this, maybe one of the examples in a shorter neighborhood, all of these informal landscapes. So pay, people make these spaces their own by adapting them to their own cultural needs and economic practices. And in doing so, they convert these venues into spaces full of expressions of self and culture. These are informal landscape, and these are two gentlemen here, dad with his friend sitting in front of his, uh, I would say what he called a farm. People's rears, chicken and roosters and like alleyways, pigeons, people growing even tomato at the rooftop. So just look at the color, look at the spaces. This is Al-Hamadi just standing in front of his, I would say, landscape and garden. Spaces in downtown Abu Dhabi where people claim it. And Banias, I mean, the municipal market in Banias, it's a full of a story. Seniors every afternoon come and sit together and they grab this piece of cartoon and and as you see the guy coming from the backside and with tens of kara came in. So every day, every day just before sunset, they sit there and they have their own story. This gentleman, for, for example, he comes from a very long day after dialysis and just come and enjoy his time here. 
add in additions and extensions and the, and the public right of way to, to, to accommodate guests and visitors. Kids stroll to grocery stores, play in alleyways and in front of their house, cycle around, stay warm a little bit in the winter season. Seniors with their grandchildren sit out and meet with other people. Kids play and clear all of these sandy streets. This is what happens beyond. This is in Benias. This is in Dubai. Teenagers even. Benias, the corner, just get converted to a praying hall. The sidewalk, even the street. The prayer time. So that's convenient to whoever walks there. At night, downtown Abu Dhabi, how an alleyway is claimed to. And Dubai, the steel mosque. I mean, this is, that, that mosque was not there, I mean, if 10, 15 years ago, that that's how informal gets formal. So people used to pray on the sidewalk, then the city built a temporary, it's not a temporary, I would say a permanent mosque there to accommodate them. Meditation. I mean, streets, I mean, people are gawking, hawking, browsing, discovering, shopping, eating, congregating on the sidewalks and in the streets. So in these spaces, people can put down rules. They can put down cultural codes to control and manage their built environment. It's not really important to me the precise number of human-scale landscapes in the UAE, but what is really important for me is the lessons those places teach us. In contrast to the landscapes of bigness and dispersion that separate people from one another and from the public realm, Human-scale landscapes show us how the built environment is sensitive to your everyday urbanism. So that's the last badge going to individuals. So we talked about that transformation of cities like Abu Dhabi and Dubai starting from a human scale to dispersion, very, very long span of 20, 30 years. Then we had bigness. Now going down to the individual stories. What happens? In Benias, a Rajdi family here, this open air majlis. So the first, it's there, it's been always there. And they lived for maybe more than 37 years then. And the first thing to tell you, whether they know you or they don't know you, consider yourself at home. The coffee and dates fresh served every day, every afternoon. And he also, they also talked about the strong or sense of attachment to people and to the physical environment. And they, they recalled His Highness Sheikh Mohammed's uh, motto that says uh, the house is united or al-bayt al-mutawahid. And that participant said this perfectly applies to the community in Banias due to the strong bonds and connection between people there. So we are all one family here. That these are all quotations. Neighbors, kids can 
come have lunch at our home and our kids can have lunch at their home. And our home is theirs and theirs is with us. So there is no difference or borders between us. Muhammad Harun, he lived in Adana for 17 years. He's 47 tailor. He always sits here in this chair, comes and takes a little break after a long day work from a time to time. And he says he feels at home in this block, works and lives on the same building. And he doesn't leave that much of the block. Everything is there. His work, his living, his daily needs, everything is there in Adana. He says we are a big family in this block. Most of the people here have been living and working here for several years. And we all know each other. So he says that this tree, I mean, he used to take care of this tree by himself. Now everyone in the community takes care of this tree. Of this tree. And he also says, I mean, whenever I want to take a break, he says, I sit on this chair. You can never get bored sitting here. Cesar from the Philippines that he works for Al-Ittihad Airways, so 42 years old, and he has, like, he's been here for five years, claimed this alleyway for his, I would say, for his landscape. I have many types of plants, such as eggplant, lemongrass, and peanuts. It's really very nice to see them grow. This is what he's saying. He's also saying, you know, I mean, I use all of these, I mean, as home remedies, like vitamin C, moisturizers, uh, antibiotics. And for him, this garden is just more than a green space. It's, it's, a, it's a pharmacy, it's a grocery, it's a socializing hub. He has also, he recycles also materials that he builds like from recycled materials, furniture and other things. So that's his space. Centu. He's in like in his late 20s and he always comes after long work hours and play with Arnaf and Salman in this block. And it's been a, it's been a practice, everyday practice. And he says, I usually change before leaving work to catch these kids and play with them. This is just one way to get the stress out of him after a long day work at ADCB. Ashurta, Dad Muhammad. I mean, this gentleman came to Ashurta maybe 30 years ago with four of his family members. Now they are 15. And he says, the neighborhood is not just about a piece of land with houses. It's about a community too. So this is a community. We know each other. And guess what? We know lots of things about each other. This is what he's saying. This is in his farm. He just loves like uh, honey harvesting and uh, planting. So what he calls this space, he calls it the farm. He also sits with his friends after like in every late afternoon. He says, they don't have to call me. If I'm there, they will come. If I'm not there, they will just come next day. So that's a routine. It's a daily practice. The last one, Latifa Darwish lived here for, she's in mid-30s and she lived very, very, very long time ago with her traditional dress, just putting her laundry on the rack. 
And this particular story with other stories showed how people are a little bit stressed about the, I would say, the demolishing of this area. So this will be raised in like summertime, I think. Uh, And she said, you know, we are so attached to this area. Even our children are praying to not be raised. So I don't want to live any. And uh, he said like yesterday when we were having dinner with my brother, I told her I'm not going to leave until I see the cranes and trucks. The loss of human scale. So we got to be careful. We are losing a lot of these areas. So if you look at one example, this is downtown Dubai, a satwa. That's the footprints of a satwa in 2008. If you look at it, just because you see at the building footprints, this is 2015. So it's being torn down. And this is also a map showing that. So, yeah, I mean, most of it is out. It's giving away to maybe another high-end project. And these are few surviving buildings. I don't know if they're going to survive or not. This is also uh, the other, the old Chorta during, I would say, demolishing. And we can see the rise of a new development in the uh, background. Here, I mean, kids are everywhere. Which urban design? So to to wrap it up, which urban design? And search the human scale. So life escapes beyond bigness. Does not completely suggest leaving behind bigness or low-density developments because they do offer some social and economic benefits. But its argument is... Scholars and practitioners must rethink urbanism because the exclusive focus on bigness led to an urban design that's rigid, monotonous, redundant, and intellectually weak. So current forms of urbanism and architecture remain where they were 22 years ago. We have seen no new interventions or no new ideologies to inform the next generation of urban form. Bigness, with its rapid pace, dispersed and homogeneous form, and privatized nature continues to dominate without being challenged or contested. So, and as a result, urban design continues to facilitate Bigness and fails to acknowledge the human scale. I would say is that urban design is caught up in a non-stoppable race of constructing the tallest and biggest in record time. That's where we are in terms of urban design. Planners have forgotten the noble principles of the UE's founding father that who admired social resolution and patience in city design. Sheikh Zayed recognized that good urban design requires time, tolerance, organization, and patience. As he once said, the desert environment requires patience until the land blossoms. Human scale of landscape and architecture are often overlooked in common descriptions of urban design. The construction of mega-scale urbanism illustrates a long-standing image about the UAE as a place of unrivaled big architecture. Other narratives suggest that cities in the UAE are not diverse, are not designed for people. However, large sections of the UAE, especially the pre-1990s urbanism, 
are designed for people and attests to UAE's urban diversity and to the resilience of human spirit. And this is what we are trying to show in Life Escapes Beyond Bigness. The overabundance of gleaming towers and endless suburban subdivisions popping up from the desert landscape had reached a critical point. The end of a road that has no creative ideas to inform the next generation of urban form. When Sorkin said like urban design reached a dead end, he meant it reached its full capacity. It's not effective anymore. So Sorkin's portrayed urban design as intellectually bankrupt and as desperately inept, unable to solve the problems of the contemporary city. All indications seem that bigness will continue even in the wake of the 2008 economic crisis. Bigness will continue to flourish. Bigness is part of the economic growth strategies, but economic growth should not dwarf social benefits and environmental stewardships. So planners, designers, and architects must acknowledge the three factors equally and must come up with practical solutions. Urban design theory and practice require an overhaul, a renewed intellectual framework. It needs a new manifesto to, I would say, revive the symbiotic relationship between physicality and humanity. I argue that the UAE uh, must focus on fewer, smaller, smaller iconic buildings that deviate from the monumental weakness for monumentality. So the way forward is to revive some of the old ideals in urban design. A life escapes beyond bigness, draws attention to the merits, the virtues of human scale landscapes. And in order to spark a debate about current urban design practices, to change the common perceptions pertaining to UAE's predilection for mega urbanism and also to offer a very solid ground or to instigate a discussion about the next generation of urban form. So this research addresses merits, values, and virtues that bigness has rejected. And the research is not a conclusion, but a beginning. We will continue doing this research, and I think a lot of people here will continue doing that. And then I would like to thank all of my people here at the lab, the Urban Design Studio, I mean, starting from Dr. Martin, to Wafa, to Nimi, Wasan, Lamis, Anud, Khawla, Fatma, Sahar, Shifa, Abdul Qadir, Ahmed, Maram, Shahab, Maitha, uh, Abir, and Anud. We worked, all of, all of us, we worked together. I would also like to thank the NPUA team, Farah, Rawan, Layla, Muna, and also, of course, the Salama Foundation, Angela and Khlud. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a download from the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. You'll find more information on our website, www.nyuad.nyu.edu institute.